The impossible has happened. DC United went into Rio Tinto and defeated Real Salt Lake 1-0 in the final of the U.S. Open Cup. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, man? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm just hanging out here after the Open Cup final. I was kind of, I was a little worried for you. Why is that? I, I, I wasn't sure how you'd take the loss. I, I didn't know if you'd be able to <laughs> recover in time for the show. So it's good to hear that you're you're okay now. You know, I I did not I did not cry after the game. I I, I did not get emotional or anything like that. So I I handled myself pretty well, Ivis. You would have been impressed. Nice. Um, I will say though, highlight of highlight of today though, going to the match, and I I love it because. It's so much fun, man. Like, you know, being in Arizona, we have any games. We have Desert Diamond Cup, but, I mean, whatever. But anyways, uh, RSL sec- uh, Real Salt Lake Supporters Group Section 26, I went to go hang out with them before the game, and I show up, right? And this one guy I'm trying to meet, I tweet at this guy, Mark, and I show up, and, and then I walk up to the tailgate, I go, I'm looking for Mark, and they're like, oh, he's over there. So I go meet Mark, and then he, he looks at me and kind of stares at me awkwardly, and he goes, I didn't know what to expect. You know, Ivis describes you on the show as having red hair and really short, so I kept looking for a really redhead <laughs> short guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I look at him and I go, I don't have red hair, and he goes, eh, it's debatable. Yeah, you're you're kind of a quasi ginger. Yeah. So so th- so, look what you're doing, man. You're convincing everyone who listens to this show false things about me that aren't true. So you admit that you're short, though. That that part was no. I'm like five eight. That's like average. That's like average soccer height. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, Ivis, as we said, uh, first off, tons to talk about on this show. We're going to touch a lot of different subjects. We're going to talk about the Champions League. We're going to talk a little bit about the women's national team. Uh, we're going to talk about Jurgen and the U.S. men's national team before the game tonight. Jurgen spoke to the media. Um, I was there. I was too afraid to ask any questions, but we can still talk about that, Ivis. And then, obviously, of course, we need to talk about this U.S. Open Cup final, D.C. United. Horrible season they're having in MLS regular season play, yet somehow they can't even explain it themselves, are performing very well in the U.S. Open Cup. They go into Rio Tinto, as I said, defeat Real Salt Lake 1-0. And just a very interesting match. You know, RSL did not have a good game, not creative in the final third. DC got a victory, and I mean, it's amazing, Ivis, that, that, that you know, you had a great tweet that went out about the future for DC United, and, and it kind of looks a little bright for them. And I mean, just what a big victory for them over Real Salt Lake. Well, I'll tell you what, I know a lot I know a lot of people didn't give them a chance, but when it comes to these kind of competitions and these kind of one off games, you always have to give the underdog a chance. And and the way they've played in this tournament, uh, had to give them some hope, you know, because they have shown they've shown some quality in the competition in the cup that they haven't really shown uh, consistently in the uh in the league. One thing I have seen over the year though is that DC has improved, I'd say, over the last few months. And and, and you can't look at that loss to Toronto FC because that was their backups, that was their reserves. But for the most part, they have played better uh, in the past few months. And I think it's the confidence that they've, they've gained through the Open Cup success that they've had. So they go into this game, they play a Real Salt Lake team that, let's face it, they don't have the greatest track record of success at home in big games. And I don't know if that how much that weighed on them, but it, I just couldn't help but feel some deja vu pretty early on in that game. Because uh, I I was there in 2008 when they lost to the Red Bulls in the Western Conference Final, mm-hmm. a game a game they dominated, a game that they created chance after chance, they hit the woodwork multiple times, and then they lost. Uh, the same thing Champions League Final against Monterey, a game where you know you, you'd give that you'd figure they'd have the chance to win. They dominate the game, they can't score. Monterey scores late and puts it away, and and again, heartbreaking heartbreaking moments in their history and it, it, it happened again like the same exact script where they take control of the game they have the possession they knock it around they have the better of the play but they can't get the ball in the net and it's like you you, you have to wonder at what point in that game and it had to happen at some point at what point in the game did the veterans on that team start to realize that this was happening all over again? And I, I think that's – and I think it did. I think it started to sink The in. start of the second half when they started pushing almost everyone forward. Well, I mean, they, they look good early in the second half. But I, I'd say from the 60th, 65th minute on, they really started to press and they really started to feel the pressure. And all credit to D.C. They played a, a great game. They stayed organized. Uh, they had a lot of players step up with really good performances. And I don't care what anyone says because I know some people will say, oh, well, we also like tried to play. D.C. didn't really try to play. Well, listen, you 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 play the hand you're dealt. D.C., they know they're not a good team. They know on paper, matching up. You can't you can't expect to beat Real Salt Lake playing their game when you have 
this United team. So they had to play a defensive-minded game, look for the counter, and it worked for them. And they got this win, and that's a huge win. It sets them up, I think, pretty well in the offseason, gives them something to build on, some confidence. Obviously, the season's been a nightmare in MLS play, Mm -hmm. but I think having a trophy will give – and having the experience of winning a trophy – especially for all those young players that they have, Yep, I think can only help them going forward. Well, I had a chance to talk to uh, Nick DeLeon after the game, and I mean, I mean, he was even shocked. I mean, he, could, he couldn't even figure out why D.C. United did so well in the U.S. Open Cup. But when you look at this game specifically, I mean, D.C. was so organized on defense that they really did a good job shutting down RSL. And, you know, the last couple of minutes of the first half when they grabbed that goal, I mean, you, they kind of started to push a little more and got a little more aggressive. But you, like you said, I mean, DC really didn't, I wouldn't say they parked the bus because, you know, we know what RSL's motive is. I mean, they're going to be possession-based. They're going to knock a ball around. And DC did a good job keeping players on defense in possession, I mean, in position, excuse me, and cutting off the seams so Real Salt Lake. I didn't think Real Salt Lake was creative enough in the first half at all. In the second half, down a goal you're pushing, I mean, that was not the position they wanted to be in. So for Real Salt Lake, it's it's very difficult. The season's not over for them, Ibis. They have still a lot to play for. They can possibly still win the Supporters' Shield, possibly still win the MLS Cup. So there's a lot of good things still going for them. But like you said about DC United, though, I think we saw a lot of good play, especially Ethan White. I mean, Ben Olsen was very high about Ethan White and how he's looked over the last couple of games. A young guy like him, Ivis, I mean, what do you see? I, I know I don't want to get too far ahead with specific players, but but for DC with some of the younger players, you know, Luis Silva, Ethan White, you know, I, I think there's some positives for DC United. And if you're a fan, you have to be happy about, you know, the, the, the offseason. It's not going to be so you know, gloomy and cloudy as, as it might have seemed a couple weeks ago, you know? Right. I mean, I think most people that follow the league closely and follow follow D.C. know that they have a good young nucleus of players. They have some good young talent there. When you talk about Perry Kitchen, Bill Hamid, uh, Ethan White, Nick DeLeon, they have a, a core, a good young core of players. problem for them has been the, the foreign signings. They just have completely swung and missed with their foreign player signings, their designated players. Uh, and in the in MLS, when you miss on those, you're going to be in for a long season, and and you're gonna you're gonna struggle. I, I think what they've shown now is that they've got this group of guys that they can build around, and now they have to go spend some money, and they're going to have some money to spend. You know, teams that miss the playoffs, they get allocation money. Teams that compete in the Champions League get money. Uh, they're going to have the number one pick in the draft, uh, which you know they could go any number of ways. I know I, I've seen some people try to suggest some names, and it's always funny to me when people try to d- delve into the whole MLS draft thing because. Unfortunately, not that many people really know who the top prospects are. We'll be we'll be touching on that on SBI uh, pretty soon. But uh, the point is, they've got all these different ways to improve themselves as a team. The question is, are the decision makers that caused them to have the problems they've already had? Are they going to be the people having the opportunity to rebuild this team? And and you know, Ben Olsen, I think is going to come back. I've said that for a while now. I, I think they see him as someone who can coach this team. They just need to get the, some better players. Are they going to keep uh, Dave Casper as the GM? Uh, that's going to be an interesting one for me. And I tell you what, if I was the owner of DC United, right, and they, and and I know they have they have some decent money from what I understand, I would I would start getting the war chest together, and I'd make a run at, at Garth Lagerwey, you know. And, and and I hate to say it, I know RSL fans are thinking, haven't we been through enough tonight? We're already probably going to lose Jason Christ. We just lost the Open Cup, and now you want to take Garth Lagerwey too? Yes. I'm just saying, though, Garth, I mean, BC United needs someone who's going to know what to do with all these pieces, all these elements, to help rebuild that team. If the right person gets in there, uh, they, they can really turn things around in a year. And that's the thing about MLS. You can turn things around dramatically from one year to the next. They have everything in place to do that. The question is, are they going to have the right people in place to make those decisions? And the interesting thing about Real Salt Lake, Ivis, you know, ever since that thing came out about Christ, you know, being linked to the NYCFC, I mean, we've kind of seen Real Salt Lake has some speed bumps here. They did beat beat Vancouver last week uh, with, you know, people are going to say the reserves. I mean, I, I would say with their deep bench, I guess you, that's how I would describe it. Um, but for Real Salt Lake, I mean, where do they go forward from here? I mean, do you think this is going to affect their play as the season goes on heading into the playoffs? Well, you know, it, it, it's easy to say it won't, but you know what? You have to look at history. And what I can remember uh, from their most recent kind of failure like this, the the 2011 CONCACAF Champions League, for those who remember, when they lost that final to Monterey, right before it, they were playing outstanding soccer in MLS. They were looking like a team that could win every single trophy there is to play for. And then they lose that game. And that was such a heartbreaker. I mean, they lose that series, heartbreaking series they lost in the Champions League final 
to Monterey, and they never recovered. They never recovered. They really started to fall apart as a team, uh, and they had a disappointing year. They didn't win a single trophy. So, And they haven't won a trophy since then. So the question is going to be, are they going to fall apart again, or are the veterans on the team going to rally together and, and, and just put it put it past them and just focus on the season? That That's the question, and, and we're not going to know until we see it. We, we won't find out until they go through it. Um, I, I'd like to think that they're going to be able to get it, put it behind them, and and, and focus on, on the on the road ahead. I don't know if I don't I wouldn't put them as a favorite to win MLS Cup, but I think they're still going to do well. I think they're going to get into the playoffs and they're going to play well. And and at the end of the day, they just got to put the ball in the net. I mean, they can knock it around as much as they want, but that doesn't get you that doesn't get you wins. You know, passes completed is not the, what wins you games. Goals scored is what wins you games. And and I think to, uh, uh, tonight, all major credit to DC. Their defense and their center backs, especially. You mentioned Ethan White; he was great, but also Dejan Yakovic, uh, Opta, the Opta stats people put out a stat that he won every single challenge he went up for, and he completed every single pass that he made. That's that's crazy. I mean, it just shows you the kind of game he had. So credit to those center backs for for, for shutting down Real Salt Lake's forwards. Well, Ivis, before the match, Jurgen Klinsmann spoke to the media. Uh, just about the, the current state of the U.S. men's national team, answered a bu- bunch of questions. A lot of things got answered, uh, especially the status of Jermaine Jones. Jurgen said that Jones will be in camp. I, th- I think that was, uh, I think that maybe surprised a lot of people, but he said, you know, it's one of those things in Europe, news comes out like that. You got to talk to the player, talk to the coach. Uh, Jermaine Jones will be at camp. But with the rest of what Jurgen talked about, Ivis, I mean, what did you take away from from the from the press conference that he had? Well, you know, he, he did he did address some things. Uh, he, he he obviously touched on some of the injury concerns. Michael Bradley is not going to be part of the qualifi- qualifiers in October, and I don't think anyone's surprised by that. You know, he hasn't come back yet from his ankle injury. He hasn't played for Roma, so that one you can kind of understand. Um, the two that were a little surprising was the Jermaine Jones news. He says uh, Klinsman said he plans on Jones being in camp. Uh, which comes after a really weird situation between Jones and Schalke. Uh, basically, he had a really bad game on the weekend. His team went from winning 3-1 to tying, and he, I guess, he he took a lot of the blame for that. And and you know, the coach was gonna was gonna bench him for the Champions League game during the week. And I guess, uh, reportedly, Jermaine Jones's response to that was, "Well, I'm gonna go have surgery then on this." This knee that's been giving me trouble, and apparently the team didn't want that to happen because that would have made him miss six weeks, and they pretty much put the kibosh on that. And all of a sudden, a day later, Jermaine Jones comes out and refutes uh, the, the stories that came out the day before, refutes stories that had quotes allegedly from him, uh, you know, quotes where he is quoted as saying, you know, I'm having the surgery, blah, blah, blah. So he shot that down. So basically, he's healthy, he's not having surgery, and now apparently he's coming into camp. I'm a little surprised by that. Um, but again, just listening to Klinsman today, it sounds like he's really intent on having as strong a team as he can have because he wants his, he wants he wants his nucleus together and getting that experience together in these games. And even though they've already qualified, he still wants to use these games to really take a look at some guys, so uh, to look at the team as a whole and, and give some other some other guys a look with the full group. So it, it, you know what? I, I tell people going to Kansas City have to be pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. They're going they're gonna get a full strength team. I know, you know, a few weeks, months back, people were looking at that game and were thinking, oh man, this is gonna end up being a C team. It's not gonna even be worth going to. But now it sounds like you're gonna have a really strong team. You're gonna have Clint Dempsey apparently is, is gonna be there. Uh Klinsman said he's gonna be there. So you're probably gonna get Dempsey, Altador, Donovan uh jermaine jones maybe tim howard now it's i mean I, that's the sense you get just listening to klinsman so uh you like what you hear from him about what he plans to do with these games and uh i, I tell you what it, it wouldn't be a bad thing if the u.s can win both those games and win the CONCACAF qualifying group convincingly i mean he even said that too i mean one of the first thing he says uh said today was that he wants to end world world cup qualifying on a high note, uh, I mean, a couple of the things that he said, I mean, he said that obviously they're going to take January camp very seriously, and he should. That's an opportunity for MLS guys to fight in. Uh, one of the interesting things he did talk about, Ivis, uh, in this press conference, is someone asked him about some of the younger guys being called up, guys like DeAndre Yedlin, Luis Gill, Paul Ariola. Jurgen said that they're on the radar, but they're not going to get a call up. Uh, I mean, did, did you find this surprising at all, or, or just based off of the way the team is? I mean, even if, let's just say, for instance, Luis Gill, DeAndre Yedlin, Paul Ariel, let's just say hypothetically they do get a call up. I mean, the chances of them making the roster are, are pretty slim, correct? Well, I mean, I've said it for I don't know how long. 
these the, the younger players like that, the younger younger players. We're talking about the you know eighteen to twenty year olds, eighteen to twenty one year olds. They're they're too young. There's no point bringing them in now. And and I think it's crazy that anyone would even you know suggest that that we're going to see someone like a Paul Ariola, who's you know as it stands right now is pretty much a, a reserve uh, for Club Tijuana. He's looked great. He's shown some great flashes, but. You know, there's a process. There's a U20 team you, that you get to a U23 team. Uh, you know, if you had someone that was killing it in the English Premier League as a 19-year-old, then sure, then, then you make an exception. But uh, he he said it best when he said, you know, what these guys need, what these younger players like Yedlin, Luis Gil, Ariola, what they need is games. They need games under their belt. They need experience. They need to get, and they can get that. They will get that on the club level. There's no point to rush these guys. Uh, so for right now, you know, when you talk about this October qualifier, those are not the players that you need to be thinking about. You need to be thinking about some of the slightly older players who are also on the radar, who are also on the fringes, who, who might in this in these games get a chance to show something. Uh, one other thing he did talk about, and I guess the question when I mentioned the Paul Ariola, it goes with this one because – uh, I mean, Paul Ariola does have ties. He, he could technically play for Mexico. I, I mean, we we asked you and I had Paul on about two months ago, I think, Ivis. And I mean, Paul pretty much was like, "No, that's not going to happen." But he did mention something though about the players playing dual nationality. Um, I had the tweet right here. I lost it, but he talked about though that I mean, some of these players, I mean, they need to follow their heart, and it's a big decision. And, and I thought that was very nice of, of you're going to say that because I mean, it is a very personal decision for a player to choose which country he wants to represent. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys have to want to play for the USA. They have to want to wear the uniform, wear the crest, represent the USA. I know U.S. fans want every everybody who can possibly play for the USA to play for the USA. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's only natural. You want everybody. But at the end of the day, it's up to the player. The player, if the player doesn't have, for whatever reason, they don't feel that attachment uh, to the U.S. or they feel a stronger attachment to another country. Then how do you you can't begrudge them, right? I mean, I've always I always thought it was a little much the, the, all the hate uh, that it, it existed and still exists towards the Giuseppe Rossi. I mean, here's a kid. I mean, I've known it. I knew Giuseppe Rossi when he was, uh, you know, eight nine years old. And and here's a kid who, yes, he grew up in America. He grew up in New Jersey, but his he grew up in a household that worshipped the Italian national team, worshipped Italian soccer. That's what he grew up idolizing and and, and watching closely and patterning his game around. And then he moved to, you know, he moved to Italy as a 12-year-old. And, and so why did anyone expect him uh, or why was anyone surprised that he played for Italy? I mean, it would have been great if he played for the U.S., but you could understand why he made that decision. And I think it still goes today. You want guys that want to play for the U.S. And that's not to say that, you know, the national team and Klinsman, like they can't try to, uh, you know, woo these guys or, 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 or show these guys how good it could be or, Bring him into camp, get it, let him get a, a taste of what it's like in the camaraderie and everything. You know that much they can do, but it, you can't force these guys. You can't try. You know, it can't be about oh, let's cap tie him, let's cap tie him. It has to be about they want to be cap tied. They, you want them to say cap tie me. I want to play. I always thought it was great the Terrence Boyd, the whole Terrence Boyd thing, uh, when Terrence Boyd first was cap tied, and, and it was great that he pointed out that the best thing for him about being cap tied wasn't necessarily being captized. It was just the fact that he wouldn't have to talk about it anymore. He he would not have to talk about the decision between A or B. He wanted to play for the U.S., he got the cap, and then and he didn't have to worry about it anymore. So there are some guys now, you hear reports, Luis Gill, supposedly there's interest from Mexico. I don't I don't really know. I don't buy that, to be honest with you. Um, Paul Ariola. I mean, I talked about, I mean, we had him on the show, and I talked to him. He He's not playing for Mexico. I mean, he, he's like third-generation Mexican. <clears throat> it was enough to get him a passport, which obviously helped him signing with Tijuana, but he's not playing for Mexico. <clears throat> so, you know, I think people, you know, should relax a bit with, with that stuff. You understand the concerns, especially like a kid like Luis Gill, who's so good. Yeah. So much so much promise, so much talent. And who and he's playing a little coy right now with the whole idea, you know, like he's kind of keeping his options open. But again, that's what players do. Players are going to say they're, they're not going to burn bridges. I mean, I still remember Omar Gonzalez, you know, talking to him uh, a couple of years ago when I, when I did a big story on him. And, and he even then was like, you know, I'm keeping my options open. Never say never, you know, like, and you know what I mean? Like, and people got really upset about that. But you know what? Where is he now? He's playing for, he's playing for the U.S. He's, he's starting uh, center back. So, People should just let these guys make their decisions, and you know what? If they if it's meant to be, it's it'll happen. Look at Aaron Johansson. Aaron Johansson, 
I mean, think about that one. I mean, a year ago, that one seemed like totally unlikely, right? And it seemed like he he never played for the U.S. And uh, what do you know? Now he's cap tied and he's killing it. He's an unbelievable prospect. So I, I think, if anything, the U.S. national team's at a point now where it's such an appealing option that you don't have to worry about it as much. Now it's now it's almost a question of of, of who, how many do we need, and who who realistically could get some playing time. You're gonna have guys who who maybe don't play for the U.S. because there's so many options. I mean, AJ Delgarza, I think he played for Guam now or something to that effect. I don't know. So, you know what? I, I don't think people should worry about it so much. If these guys want to play for the U.S., they will play for the U.S. Keeping it national team related, women's head coach Tom Sermani announced a 25-man roster for an up- upcoming camp Excuse me, that will be held in a few weeks in October for some games coming up against New Zealand and Australia. Uh, the first game will be in San Antonio. The next one is going to be in San Francisco. I mean, in Ivis, I mean, the women's team, as always, is going to be stacked with Sydney Luru, Alex Morgan, Abby Wambach, Coben Heath, Heather O'Reilly, uh, Carly Lloyd. I mean, in the women's team, I mean, the World Cup is until 2015, but, you know, they're going to start have to, to, to break down the process of, of what players are going to have in. I mean, Abby Wambach, this is probably going to be her last cycle. Um, so, I mean, it, the women's team, uh, you know, we, we really don't talk about it much on this show. We'll try to talk a little bit more about it as, as the World Cup comes up for them, pending that you and I are still, you know, pending I don't, I don't get picked up by some, like, you know, ESPN outlet or something like that, but we're cut. <laughs> cut. Uh, but the women's team's coming up, and, and they'll be playing a little bit later this month. And as always, you know they should defeat New Zealand, Australia. You know, like five to zero in both games. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's at the end of the day, these games are. You always wonder about about the, the the U.S. women and all the friendlies they play, and you understand it on one hand, but you, you know you you have to ask yourself what what does it mean in the big picture? And obviously, Sermani wants to get get a look at get a look at people and see how they're coming along, and 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 we're still some time away from. Uh, from the games really mattering, but uh, I mean, right now the U- the U.S. women they have such an embarrassment of riches. When you think about the attack, and you think about some of the younger players that are coming up, obviously Sidney Rue's done well. Kristen Press is impressed, uh, you know, and her with her opportunities. Uh, so you know, I think this is a good chance to see the full strength group for the first time. You're gonna have some people who are out because of injuries. Someone like Kelly. O'Hara, who actually SBI will have a story on this week, uh, who's reco- recovering from an injury. So I think it'll be great, you know, for U.S. women's fans to see this full strength team and see them destroy some more opponents. But you know what? You can't, it's hard to get too worked up about these games because there's so many of them and there's so many of these kind of mismatch games that it's like, show me the real game. Show, I, I, you know, call me when the, qual- when, when the qualifiers come, call me when the World Cup's here, call me when the Olympics are here. Uh, it, it, I don't know. Maybe it's just, there's, I think, I feel like there's a lot more casual women's national team fans than there are hardcore. Moving over to another subject that you and I completely disagree about. The NASL Indy 11 had their press conference tonight. I think, personally, I think it's a little ridiculous that they had their press conference on the U.S. <laughs> Open Cup. Yes, I understand. Uh, yes, 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 I get it. There's no NASL team playing in the Open Cup. But, I mean, come on. They couldn't have done it tomorrow when nothing else was going on. They had to do it on the night of the U.S. Open Cup. But I will say this about Indy 11, though. Honda, they got them as a sponsor. That's key. They have, I think, 5,000, 6,000 season ticket holders. Their, their, their ownership group looks amazing. I mean, it's 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 hard not to get excited about what Indy's doing right now. Right. I mean, it's, it was a great day for them, and and I do disagree with you on the idea that they shouldn't have had these announcements on the same day as, as the Open Cup. Look, let's be honest. The U.S. Open Cup does not have national clout. It doesn't have that cachet that the whole country has stopped what it's doing to watch the U.S. Open Cup final. If, if it, that were the case, it wouldn't be on gold TV, number one. Number two, the folks in Indy, the Indy 11 people, are are focused on their market, getting their market going. And you know what? If anything, having another soccer event the same day, it, it helps kind of give you that sense of of, 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 of a lot going on in the soccer world and plugging Indy into that. So I think, if anything, you can tie it in in a certain way. And show and have it be a package deal where people are like, oh, look, on the night where the Open Cup is decided in Indy, you have this new team being born, and I think it's great. I have no problems with that at all. I tell you what, if anything, it probably gets it would probably get less attention nationally than it would on a day when nothing else was going on. I really, I really think that. I think it'd just be easier to ignore. But I think on a day when you have soccer being talked about, when you have the Open Cup actually being talked about, probably more than I could think. Uh, Open Cups in recent years, I feel like it, I feel like there, for some reason there was more buzz this, for this particular game. I think on a day like that, when people were talking American soccer, it was a good day to have some stuff like that. And and you know, 
<coughs> credit to the folks in Indy. I like the uniforms. Obviously, the Honda sponsorship's great. And they announced their first player signing, which is goalkeeper Christian Neat. I, I, I want to say if it's Nicht, Nicht, it's like German. So there you go. I've heard good things about him for some, for some time as a goalkeeper, someone who has been on the radar of MLS teams. Quality goalkeeper. He's going to step in. He's a great player to build around. <laughs> I would say I'm a little surprised that their first player signing wasn't a player, uh, wasn't an IU grad, wasn't an Indiana University product signing into that whole local scene thing. But you know what? He's a good player, good starting point, and I'm sure they'll have tons of local players, local ties on that team. Well, Ivis, moving over to European soccer. No more American soccer talk on this show. I'm sure all the European snobs are happy about that. Uh, in Champions League play, uh, there was a couple big games this past uh, yesterday, excuse me, on on Tuesday. Uh, Barcelona defeated Celtic 1-0 on Glasgow. We did not get to see uh, Rod Stewart cry this time. Uh, Ajax, AC Milan play one to one draw, and in the big game, Arsenal defeated Napoli two to z- uh, two to zero. Excuse me, uh, Ivis. Uh, what, what did you take away from the Champions League play? Well, I thought the biggest takeaway on Tuesday was Arsenal and the way they dominated Napoli. I mean, this Napoli team is a strong team. They're much improved. They had a great transfer window, selling Cavani and and, and really loading that team up with quality. Rafa Benitez is doing a great job, but you know what? They went in there. They went into uh, the Emirates and they got dominated. Arsenal. They're playing. They're playing with so much confidence right now, and, and we all know in league play, they're 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 top of the league. They're playing well, and uh, you know, Mesut Ozil is is just is just wowing fans right now. I mean, Arsenal fans are in love with with Mesut Ozil because he's just killing it, and, and just the way they play, especially the first half. The first half was just masterful. And it's it makes and you got to take them seriously. I know even Arsene Wenger was kind of he's kind of laughing off the idea that they're the favorites to win in the league because yeah it's it's early it's only the beginning of October a lot can go wrong a lot can happen but they're playing beautiful soccer. Uh, you have Aaron Ramsey you can't stop scoring and Ozil looking great. Olivier Giroud playing better. Flamini giving them the bite in the midfield. They 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 are legit. And for me, I, you know, I, I I thought in the beginning of the year Chelsea. They were my pick to win. I thought Mourinho coming in with the with the signings that they got. I thought they would be the favorites. I still think they are, but I tell you what, Arsenal's gonna be right there. I think Chelsea, Arsenal. I think, I think United. I don't think they, this is not their year. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna rally back. City, you gotta think about. But this Arsenal team, you absolutely have to take seriously. You know, if United doesn't perform well, I mean, would would Moyes be out of the job? I don't know. It's gonna. It's it would take some real. It, he'd have to struggle for a good while. I think the team's good enough. They'll figure things out, and I think they're. He'll at least get to the winter window, and, and, and I think they're going to make some acquisitions there. Because as as the team stands, they, they're just not good enough. They they needed to get better. I know they signed Fellaini in the, in the offseason, uh, but they, they, they needed to add a few players, uh, especially in a window when you saw Arsenal add Ozil. You saw Chelsea with all the signings that they signed. Tottenham with the, just the boatload of guys that they added after selling Bale. Everyone else really did it. I thought in the, near the top of the Premier League did a great job adding talent. I just don't think Man United did enough. They kind of stood still, and now they're paying the price. Maybe they'll uh, they'll bring in uh, Landon Donovan for a uh, for for a uh, winter spark. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do this again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude. You know, people are gonna start saying that. Um, in other, in hey, other, go ahead. Anyone who thinks that Landon Donovan is <laughs> Man U should be smacked. <laughs> uh, in other Champions League play, uh, Dortmund defeated Marseille. Uh, Schalke also won. Chelsea, like you said, Chelsea also won. Um, so you know, there's uh, other games we play later this week. So uh, I mean, right now the Champions League. I mean, do, do you have a favor yet, or is, or is it too early to tell? Uh, still, I mean, you gotta like Bayern. I think Bayern and Barcelona are the, are the teams to beat. I think for me, I think it's gonna be it's gonna come down to those two again. <clears throat> I think Juventus is. It's still early. So I think they're gonna be better than they were last year. And PSG. I mean, come on. I thought they were great last year, and then they went and added Cavani. So that you have to, I think they're still figuring things out uh, how they're going to use the pieces that they have because they have so much talent on that team. But I think you, you have this is a year where you know if there's going to be a surprise team that wins it, I think PSG. As much as a, a team that spends a bazillion dollars like they do, as much as a team like that can be a surprise, I think they could be the surprise one. Do you, I mean, would you count PSG as like your dark horse, or do you have a dark horse, or is it too difficult well, to have a dark, dark horse? Dark horses don't win the Champions League. That's just, that, I mean, not since uh, I think Porto, when Jose Mourinho was was a manager, I think that's that's like the last true dark horse to win. And I, I just don't, 
I just don't think it'll happen. Yes, I know Dortmund last year got to the final, but I, I, anyone who really follows the Champions League, I don't, I don't know who really thought they were a quote unquote dark horse. I mean, they were they're a strong team. They're not a glam team. They weren't a glam high profile team, but the quality was there. The soccer that they play, like even before last year, you knew what they could do. <clears throat> so as far as teams that could just truly come out of nowhere, I just don't really see it happening. But when you want to talk about somebody other than the obvious teams. Someone other than Bayern and Barcelona, who are kind of the co-favorites. Real Madrid, you kind of you can't forget about Real Madrid, although they they seem to be scuffling a little bit. They, Gareth Bale can't stay healthy. I mean, they spend a, they spend a, a mint on him, and he can't even get on the field. Uh, but I think for me, PSG is a team that people don't normally talk about, but I think they're going to have to talk about. If you reached the end of the show, you know what that means. It's the SBI Q&A part. As always, if anyone wants to send us any questions, you know the drill. Hashtag Ask the SBI Show at any time of the day. We always check Twitter to answer your questions. First question comes from JC. Now that Christ has lost more cup games than he's won, do you think NYCFC still wants his services? Uh, I doubt I doubt highly that that suddenly will make them not want him. Mm-hmm. I, I still think he's done an amazing job with the with the resources that he, he's had at his disposal, and I still think it, it it's going to be fun to watch. Assuming it happens, it'll be fun to watch Jason Christ operate with with a big big money budget, you know, uh, by MLS standards, and and being able to sign, uh, you know, some, some bigger targets and, and and build himself a team with with, with some deep pockets. So I, I don't I don't think his uh, I don't think his stock drops a ton because of this loss. I mean, you know, at a certain point, the players have to have to deliver. Uh, next question comes from Steve Hildago. Is Porter the Guardi- uh, Guardiola, excuse me, to Arena Sir Alex? Settle down. It's one year, two games, and the one thing that the one in your in your comparison, the one key key difference is Guardiola beats Sir Alex in competitions and cup competitions, finals. Uh, Porter has not beaten Bruserini in the playoffs, and Bruserini's got a few trophies sitting on his tr- on his mantle at home that that suggest it's a little early to, to to do that. I would say it's it's impressive that Porter's done well. I mean, they, you know, the Timbers are two zero and one against the Galaxy this year. They won both games at at in Jeldwen. Uh but until they actually play, if they, I'll tell you what, if they play in the playoffs and Portland beats LA in the playoffs, then maybe you could start toying with that. But I I, th- I think you need a couple years before you could even even come close to saying that Bruce Arena is the most successful coach in MLS history, and losing a few regular season games don't doesn't suddenly mean that uh, Caleb Porter has his number. Next question comes from Robert Wilson: Biggest U.S. Open Cup final choke ever? That's harsh. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the idea of choking, right? I mean, look, they 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 didn't they didn't play their best. DC played really well, and and they lost. You know, it happened one game. Uh, it, it's it's not. I I think I think the idea of a choke would be more <laughs> if we also like lost uh, if they were winning three nil and then just gave up a three goal lead. That <laughs> that'd be more like a choke. I I don't know if I'd call it a choke. I just think that it just didn't go that way. And DC United played a great game and uh, played an inspired final. And I, I think people should give DC credit more so than than bashing Real Salt Lake. Uh, next question comes from Beard J. Does the U- does the Open Cup victory ensure Olsen's job at DCU is safe for another season? I gotta say, even before tonight, I thought I thought he would be back. I thought he would come back in 2013, just from, from everything I hear and everyone that I talk to uh, about the situation there. You know, the sense I've gotten is that you know he'll be back. And and now, I mean, I think I think it's a, it's a automatic. I mean, I think if anything, he he had a great night. I mean. From his lineup selections, because I can tell you a lot of people were, were scratching their heads when he started uh, Louis, Louis, Louis Neal over Luis Gill. I mean, Luis Gill, sorry, Luis Silva. Uh, I know a lot of people were like, what in the world is he thinking? And it worked perfectly. Neal was exactly what they needed to help help kind of clog things up in the middle. And then he steps up and scores the winner. So, you know, Ben Olsen, he did everything right today. And I think he absolutely should be back next year. All right, Garrett. I actually have a question for you this time. Oh, really? You, were gonna, you, you knew you were going to get some questions, especially <laughs> after the Open Cup final result. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so one of them from uh, Tom Dawson, who's two two one, I think, is the 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 handle, the Twitter handle. And his question is: Garrett, are bitter tears stronger than Utah beer? You know, I I did not cry at all when we also like won. Surprisingly enough, um, but I've had a good time up here in Salt Lake, though, Ivis. I uh, I've had a chance to check out some 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 
beer beer places. I went to the Beer Hive, uh, downtown Salt Lake, and then uh, John Arnold and I, the guy I'm out here with, uh, we had a chance to go up to Park City and go check out the the Washash Brew Pub. Had a good time there, and then I went to the Red Iguana. Based off your recommendation, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you ordered. I thought it was great. I know you. I know you. you, you see- I guess Arizona has way better Mexican food. Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for that. I guess I'm going to have to find out for myself. It, it's different Mexican food. That's the thing. It's like if you go to California, like Southern California, it's all Baja. It's a lot of fish, a lot more citrus. I mean, Arizona's kind of a little bit more spice, a little more meat. And then you even go to Texas. I mean, you got Tex-Mex there. Sorry, Texas people, no offense. Tex-Mex sucks. It's not Mexican food. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's horrible. Yeah, we alienate a whole state. Or well, a I'm sure the rest of people... It's different. It's, di- it's, different. it's different Mexican it's not, food. It's not what you like. It's Don't different. It's, <laughs> it's different Mexican food. But, Ivis, when you come out to when you come out to Phoenix, whenever we get an MLS team, uh, I'll, I'll take you out to some Mexican food places. Probably yeah, be, well, you, well, yeah, I'll be retired by then, so I'll have all kinds of time. <laughs> I know. Probably <laughs> be the next 30 years. Yeah, you'll probably have to retire out here like every other old person. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Patrick Kennedy. DCU won this game more than RSL lost it. Yes, I think it's a combination of the two. I don't think Salt Lake played particularly well, and I think DC played very well. I thought they they executed their game plan to a T, and uh, you know Ben Olsen wanted them to be organized defensively, not give a lot of space, especially in the final third, and wanted to hit them on the counter. And that's exactly what they did. <clears throat> Credit to their the back line, especially in their center backs, I thought were outstanding. I mean, you can't say enough. I mean, the, here, one, I do want to say De, Dejan Djokovic has not had a great year, right? He signed a new deal. Uh, he got the pay raise after last year being so good for them. And he, and he just, he, he really, he really didn't get it done. You know, he really didn't get it done early in the year. He struggled. He had some really bad games, but tonight he showed the quality. He showed the, the, you know, anyone who ever said or thought that Dejan Djokovic could be a a top quality center back in this league in MLS, you saw it in the Open Cup final. You saw him play as at his best, and and if he can if he can do that next year, uh, I think he I think him and Ethan White, you know, when you want to talk about rebuilding that team and, and, and looking for areas to improve on, I tell you, both those guys made a good case for themselves to be back next year and to have starting jobs. Uh, next question comes from Scott Utterson. Will the SBI team be in KC for the World Cup qualifying? I'm going to the game. Any tips on what tailgates to hit up? Well, I will be there. Uh, I don't think Garrett will be there. I actually are. No. Just I booked my uh, I booked my trip to KC last week. I will be there. Uh, you know, basically, Jurgen Klinsmann said he he wants the full strength team. He wants the strongest group out there. So I got to be there, right? I'm not good to skip it. Which which uh, team are you going with? Like SBI team U25 or SBI team U30? Which one are you going with? No, I'm just I'm 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 solo, man. I just, I just come. I don't have to bring a team. I'm just it's just me. I'm just rolling dolo. So uh, we're we're leaving everyone everyone else home for this one since uh, it's the end of the qualifying. But I tell you what, KC is a great trip. The folks in KC absolutely know how to party. And and as far as tailgates, it's a little it's a little bit of a unique setup at at their stadium. They don't really have like a tailgate right there. Uh, and I don't know what they're going to allow in the parking area. I know I know. I think two games ago, two uh, the for the Gold Cup game they had there, they had a pretty pretty cool setup with with the AO and in the parking area. That's pretty good. Uh, what I would say is, if, if you're gonna go, you want to try to get there the night before the first game. I mean, the night before the game, because the AO parties in Kansas City for U.S. national games are pretty epic, and and they're consistently good. I mean, I feel like I've been, I don't know how many, I feel like I've been there to now, at least two. I've been at least two, maybe three. And they've all been great. I wouldn't say, but I think Columbus might have stolen the crown for best uh, day night before the game AO AO party at the U.S. Mexico uh, pregame. But KC is always a good time, so you want to be there the, the day before for that. And I tell you what, this game is going to be interesting, you know, because you're going to have two teams. You're going to have a Jamaica team with really nothing to play for. You're going to have a U.S. team with a bunch of guys trying to impress Klinsman. It's going to be a pretty strong team. Maybe we'll see an Aaron Johansson starting. Mixed this group starting. It, it's gonna. It should be. I think it's gonna be a great game. And you know what? It, a, a trip to Brazil might not be on the line, but I still think it should be a great game. Uh, next question comes from Branded Murray Sack. Who will be the first MLS team to have a major expansion or renovation of their existing soccer-specific stadium? Wow, that's a good one, man. That's a good. Co- you know, I'm thinking about it, and I and it's tough. It's really tough. You know what? A lot of these stadiums are, are either, you know, I, I got to think about it. You know, I know Philly, 
has the capacity to 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 expand. I know that's in, built into their structure. Uh, I don't think like I don't think, for example, Red Bull Arena is going to do that. I don't, I don't think uh, uh, Rio Tinto. I don't I don't I don't see that happening. So that's a tough one. Columbus. Well, they might just need a whole new building. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna renovate Cruz Stadium. I think they're just gonna put a new stadium somewhere different. So that's a that's a tough one, man. I don't, I don't know who will. I don't know who. I don't know. Maybe maybe none will. Maybe uh, you know, may, maybe they, they keep their stadiums uh, at least for now. I don't I don't see anything happening in the near future. I really don't. So uh, that's a tough one. That's good a tough one. good question, Brandon. Thank you for the good question, huh? Yeah, man. Thought, yeah. thought provoking. Yes. Uh, next question comes from. Nihal, who I'm going to beat down in FIFA 13, cannot wait. Can Everton finish in the top four? That's a tough one, man. I just honestly, I don't see it. it, it I mean, they're playing well now. Give them credit. Uh, you know, they're undefeated. They, they, they're doing really well. But to do that over the course of a season, you need some really good depth. And as much as I, I really like Roberto Martinez as a manager and 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 the, and the additions that they made in the offseason, I thought they had one of the better summer windows, without a doubt. And it's showing early on in the season that I, I don't know if they can keep it up i mean just look at the teams that are there and even with man U struggling even with man U struggling we got chelsea we got man city and arsenal those top three right off the bat and then you have Tottenham, who they they added so much quality talent they're gonna be there and, and then you have liverpool who's playing really well they got Luis suarez back sturge can't stop scoring and so right there boom five teams already those five and then man U, you know what they're struggling but do I see Everton finishing ahead of Man U over the course of a full season? Sorry, I can't see it. So to answer your question, no, I don't see them. I don't see them top four. As much as it'd be great if Tim Howard could get into the Champions League, I think most US fans would love that. Most US fans that don't have ties to other EPL teams would love that. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know how realistic it is. I got to be honest. Is Roberto Martinez a better manager or a better or a better analyst? Mm, that's a t- analyst, <laughs> analyst, analyst. He's my. He's my favorite analyst, like period. Like I, I honestly I could I could listen to him talk about the game forever. Like the guy's just uh, you know what? Like I, I'd say he's the best analyst and I'd say Roger Bennett is the funniest soccer analyst. Like he's the, like I could he just Roger Bennett just cracks me up. Uh, you know, for those he's an ESPN writer. He's famous for Men in Blazers the the the, the funny uh soccer podcast that's Big, the big time soccer podcast, but uh, I'd say no, Martinez, a better announcer. And the final question comes from Kyle Rogers. Did Kurt Onolfo burn too many bridges? His name doesn't pop up in manager talks. Same for Thomas Rongen, not being MLS hire. Well, you know what? I would say this. What's interesting about MLS these days, no no former coaches, no former coaches get seem to get breaks, right? What's the, Who's the last coach to get a job? That had previously had a head coaching job in MLS. Let's think about that for a minute, real quick, 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 quick. Can anyone answer? I can I off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure in the past year, two years, how long has it been? Right, it's been a while. All these coaches are are, are new to MLS that have gotten jobs. Of Mike Pecky, his first pro job. Oscar Pereja, first pro job. Caleb Porter, first pro job. Marco Shalabam, first MLS job. Jay Ryan Nelson, Jay Heaps, first pro job. Uh, Ryan Nelson, first pro job. Martin Rennie, first MLS job. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. And it's a little crazy when you think about it. When you think about other leagues around the world, um, you see managers that have experience that had, that had been in the league before, uh, and for whatever reason it didn't work out, but then, you know, they learn, they improve, they, for whatever reason, it seems like the new thing now in the past couple of years, it seems like teams, uh, team people who run clubs in MLS, are caught, caught up in the idea of finding that next great coach, finding that that you know new guy to mold into a coach, and and you know I, I think that can work. Obviously, I mean you've got some clear examples now with you know Mike Petke's done great, uh, Caleb Porter's done outstanding in Portland, but I don't know, man. It makes me wonder why the league is like that and why why you're seeing some coaches who do can't get chances now. Anafo, I mean let's you know to be fair, I mean he, he you know KC. Whatever happened there didn't really end well there, and DC was a it just was tragic. It didn't really go great at all. So he's in a bit of a tough spot. Rongen, you know, I mean, he's been out of the mix for a while now, so I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get back in. But I'm thinking the more recent guys. I mean, like a Dennis Hamlet. That one boggles my mind to this day. I know some Chicago fans didn't think he did great, and, and they'll stick to that. But for me, for my money, here's a guy who I thought did really well in a tough situation in Chicago. 
and has not gotten a sniff since. I know he's gotten, I know he's been a finalist and a candidate, but he can't get a job. And that, that surprises me. Like if I was, if I was hiring for a job, he'd probably be one of the first people I'd consider. Um, just with his experience in MLS, did really well as a head coach, but hey, he can't get a job. Krecki is someone else doesn't get a whiff. Uh, you know, I, like one of the, him and Bob Bradley, the only guys to ever do well at Chivas USA. Uh, so that's a little, that one's a little interesting, but I, I don't think it's a burning bridges thing. Honestly, I don't, well, when you're talking about Anolfo and, and Rangit, no, I don't think it's that. I just think in the new, in the new day of MLS, I think clubs just want to try something new. They want to have that new guy that can be their guy. I don't know if you want to call it the Jason Christ syndrome or what it, whatever it, it may be, but it just seems like that's the, that's the flavor now. That's everyone wants a new, a new, a fresh, out of the box, head coach. That ends the SBI Q&A. There's also one other question from Robert Wilson that I have to read. He goes, Garrett, which loss hurts the most? The 2013 U.S. Open Cup final choke, the 2011 CONCACAF Champions League final loss, or losing the Rocky Mountain Cup this year? Clearly, he's suggesting I'm an RSL fan, so none of those losses hurt, Robert. And I did not cry or anything like that when <laughs> RSL lost. Uh, you know what? I, I just want to say for the record, for anyone who hasn't caught on right now, <laughs> anyone who's tone deaf enough to not realize that I'm joking, Garrett Cleverly is not a Real Salt Lake fan. He's not. He works for them. No, I'm just kidding. I, I work <laughs> for the I work for the Real Salt Lake Academy, but that's located in Arizona, 500 miles away. Yes, just like I am not a New York Red Bulls fan. Well, so, that that's debatable. So oh, I've I've heard yeah, stories. Right, okay. Hey, you've not. No one's ever seen me wearing. Red Bulls or MetroStars gear. You, on the other hand, I can't speak for. I can't speak for. <laughs> there are some pictures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure there are. And listen, anybody listening <laughs> to the show, if you have a picture of Garrett wearing some Real Salt Lake gear and you tweet it to me, I will. I will try to find a prize for you. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm stooping to bribery now to get some, get some uh, blackmail material. For there, you. there are pictures out there. I, I will yeah. admit to that. If people need to find them, though, there are some. You need to be very clever about it. Yeah, man. I, I tell you, I'll, I'm letting everyone know right now. If you're still listening, I am gonna find a prize. I want those pictures. Oh my god! Or or, or if if or 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 if you're, why was it someone's really good at Photoshop and gives you something hilarious though? Would they uh, win or are they eliminated? It has to. It has to be real. <laughs> it has to look real. It has to be real. Listen, if it's a picture of Garrett wearing Kyle Beckerman's dreadlocks, I'm not. You're not gonna. Win oh my that. god, dude! I gotta tell you, there was okay out of the corner of my eye. I'm waiting for the teams to come out right, and I see this. This guy with dreadlocks, and I swear, I thought it was Kyle Beckerman, and I look over, and, and, and John's in the hotel room, and he's nodding his head. This guy, Ivis, I put it on my on my Twitter. I took a picture of it. Looks exactly like Kyle Beckerman with the hair. It was the trippiest thing. He was a photographer for the game. It blew my mind. It was wild. Check, shout out my Twitter account. Pers- uh, shameless plug. AZ kicks it. Check out the picture. It was wild, man. The guy looked just like Kyle Beckerman. It was insane. <laughs> you sure it wasn't his brother or something? No, I, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't. I mean, I didn't want to talk to uh, didn't want to talk to Kyle after the after the game. But come on, man. Well, no, I, I you know, hey, hey, I'm a front runner, man. I went to DC's locker room. What do you want from me? Uh, is that are you like Don King? You like switched and threw a DC scarf on with the final whistle? Uh, that's probably what you did. You know, let me tell you that, that there's nothing great. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing. There's nothing greater than the smell of like sweat. And alcohol, it is like the weirdest smell. And I've had a few opportunities to be in locker rooms. Uh, you know, this is my first time I've been in a, so- in a soccer locker room for a championship in Arizona. I, I used to cover the Arizona Diamondbacks, so I went to their locker room when they won the championship. And I mean, it's kind of funny watching how everyone celebrates and stuff like that. But the smell of alcohol and sweat in one room—oh my god! It has to be the worst smell in the world. No, okay. See, now you see, it's too late. You didn't say that. You didn't say that at the very beginning because it really <laughs> sounded really bad when you said it the first time. <laughs> I, I think people are going to use that soundbite against you for the rest of your life. Everyone use anything I say on this show people use against me. I mean, come on. You made me public enemy number one because of this show. <laughs> public enemy number one. Come on. <laughs> if, anything, if anything, people feel bad for you. Like, come on. That, that is true. All, <laughs> sort, all sorts of sympathy. I think there's like support groups that are forming just to, to help you with the abuse you get here i know it's too bad it's 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 uh i do cry myself to sleep every night just like how i cried when rsl lost ivis <laughs> that wraps up the show man uh i have a long drive ahead of me to get back to arizona it's about 12 hour drive through beautiful beautiful country mountains and, and desert and it's very beautiful so i need to hit the bed you also need to hit the bed we need to wrap up the show before we close officially anything else that we missed out on I think we covered it all. We'll be back on uh, 
we'll be back on Friday. And uh, mm-hmm. for those of you who missed it on SBI, we had the recently the the SBI uh, 23 for 2014, the latest projection on the U.S. World Cup roster. And uh, be sure to look out for our projection on the upcoming World Cup qualifying roster, which uh, it's going to be pretty interesting now that you have no Michael Bradley there, no John Anthony Brooks uh, coming in. Uh, it's going to be some interesting decisions for Klinsman to make. So make sure you keep an eye out on SBI and also Goal.com. You know, I have my have my latest on there uh, on on Klinsman's comments, and and I'll be talking a little bit more about the whole dual national thing when it comes to dual national players. So uh, keep an eye out on Goal.com as well. Well, that wraps up the show today. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. Ivis, like we said, I'll talk to you later this week. Yeah, man. Safe trip, safe drive back. Thank you, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the questions, Ivis and I. I mean, real quickly with the questions, Ivis and I, we appreciate all the questions. We don't answer all your questions because we just don't have time to do it. But Ivis and I, we, we love it. And, I mean, as always, people, please keep sending in questions. We will eventually get to you. We promise. Keep sending the questions. We, we really appreciate it. Yes, sir. And and also, if you get a chance, give us some ratings on iTunes. Uh, I, I feel like everyone that listens to the show has given, given us a rating by now because we haven't gotten many. But if you haven't yet, give us, you know, give it, give it a chance. Give us a rating. I'm not going to ask you to make it five stars, but if you want to give us five stars, that we we greatly appreciate it. By the way, I'm also really looking forward to this uh, to this competition of everyone trying to find me in RSL gear. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I am really looking you know, forward hey, to listen, this. Listen, listen, listen. I'll tell you what. If you guys do find a picture of Garrett in RSL gear, send it to me and make sure to include the, the hashtag uh, <laughs> Garrett <laughs> Garrett loves RSL. <laughs> there it is. Hashtag Garrett Garrett. Two R's, two T's, loves RSL. Quick, before we close out the show, John's over here on Facebook trying to find a picture of me in RSL gear. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be ridiculous. This, yes. This is going to go viral. Oh, my God. All right. Well, Ivis, before... <laughs> Ivis, I'll talk to you later this week, man. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate all the comments, all, all, the, all, the, all the interaction you guys give us. We, we love all the support you give us. We'll be back again later this week. This is the SBI Show.